0: What's going on, church? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, now, if that clap was for me, I'd feel pretty good, but it's not. It's for the Lord. So let's give the Lord a hand like we're grateful he woke us up this morning. Come on. Thank you, Lord. man, Amen. 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 I mean, some of you guys was losing your mind for the Seahawks. They did pretty good, but they still lost. <laughs> Okay, God didn't lose, come on now. <laughs> uh, so have a little fun with it. Anyways, I'm Eric, some of you, hopefully, I, I, I believe I know most of you, but if I don't, I'm Eric, I get a chance to be a part of this wonderful team here. Uh, I get the wonderful privilege of being the leadoff hitter on this series called I Am. It's going to be a seven-week series on this series called I am. It is something that Jesus spoke seven times through the book of John, and we're going to go through that and and really lean into it, uh, which is good. The last time I spoke, I had the opportunity to be up here with my daughter, Madison, and my youngest daughter, Madison, she's 22 years old, but she, uh, at the time when we were speaking, she was going through the uh, healing journey of having uh, Hoskins lymphoma. Uh, uh, cancer, and uh, I, I'm grateful to be up here to tell you my baby is cancer-free. Thank you, Lord. She is. Praise God. So grateful for that. Uh, I'm quick to tell the Lord thank you. We are grateful for that, but I'm also so grateful to, so, to all of you for your prayers and your testimonies, and many of you, I've had so many of you in this church, not only praying for us and praying with us, but many whose stories didn't end the same way. Come on, somebody, where they didn't always have the same outcome, yet they took their pain and invested uh, the learning from that in us and said, yes, this is the way it turned out, but God's got a hand on her. God's got a hand on you. God, and they prayed with everything in them. that's the kind of, that, that's what the body of Christ is all about. And I'm just so humbled and thankful uh, for all of you for your prayers and so grateful for that. Uh, this series, uh, this series called I am it, it's it's this is obviously this is the third service so I have uh, had a couple times to share with our earlier services uh, but I'm gonna do my best I, I I've done all right, but right I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna do my best to 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 manage my energy level as you all know there's a reason there's a towel sometimes I can get little excited right uh, but this message is very important that it's part of it has to be a teaching where we're going through this together because it's foundational. It's foundational. When we understand this and we uh, trust in this piece of it, it makes a difference in everything else. Okay, so it's very important that we do that. I'm going to be coming from uh, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11 and verse 14. So if you want to turn to that, I'm going to do a little talking first before we get there. So Jesus uses the word or says the phrase, I am. And he says it seven times in the New Testament in the book of John. Now, we we'll read it that way, but it's very important sometimes when we're going through the Bible, when we're reading it, that we got to contextualize this. We're so used to reading the story that sometimes it almost doesn't make it real enough for us. you got to realize when the Israelites hear Jesus say the words, I am, the only person, the only entity, the only individual, the only God who's ever said I am is Yahweh. So, when Jesus shows up and says, I am, seven times, there's a reason, as you keep reading, so many disciples walked away, because Jesus is saying, I am, like, I know you hear it now, I mean, I, I've seen this the other day, some kid was playing, like, I, I mean, they were talking about some basketball player, and he was balling, and, and then his answer for, they said, who's that? He says, I am him, Right? It was like this new level of announcing your presence. Well, biblically, that's just like, you better be careful. Because biblically, especially to the Israelites, that was complete. Like, you know, I mean, brother, you have just went to another level. You don't get to say that. Now, you got to realize, because some of the ones who heard Jesus say it, they was like, wait, hold on, man, you're a carpenter. Like, we know you. Like, we've been around. There had to be some older folks. I said to the early service, see, and please understand, I'm just, sometimes we don't keep it real enough, right? Somebody turn around and say, I am, you know, and it's like, brother, you're like 33. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, he's in his 30s, right? And, like, and I gotta tell you, it's already hard. I'm just being real. Like, I didn't feel that this when I was 33, but being 53, then a whole lot of 33-year-old can really tell me. I'm not, I'm not trying to be arrogant. <laughs> okay. I'm not telling to any of those things. I'm just being honest, right? Like, our maturity level changes. It takes a while, okay? So anyhow, okay, I ain't referencing Jesus. I'm just saying, giving an understanding for the environment. When Jesus says stuff like, I am, that's a really bold statement. That's not saying, I'm a good teacher, that's not saying I'm a follower of God. That is saying I am God. He doesn't mince words. He don't give. Run. He he is speaking with clarity. Okay, so this ain't gonna be one of the like, oh no, he's pretty good. Done. No, he literally said that and meant it. So this is what we're gonna be covering. Okay, this the first one of his statements of I am, but the truly. Understand the significance of the word I am. We got to go back to Exodus chapter 3. So I'm going to go back to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading from uh, verse 9 through 11 and then also verse 14. But just to give it context, Moses, who we're all familiar with, has now been approached. He's in conversation with God Almighty. And you got to keep something in mind. Moses has been running, fleeing Egypt. He's not even been in Egypt for 40 years. Now, the reason he's not in Egypt is because he killed an Egyptian defending an Israelite. So he's not only gone for 40 years. The reason he's not there is because he's been running away. And not only has he been running away, he's just been working for his father-in-law. He out there doing stuff, right? And then he gets this conversation with God. So let's look at verse number nine. I'm not going all the way up and looking at verse number nine. This is God speaking. And so God says, so because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, verse 10, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, before we go any further, it's very important for every one of us to try to empathize with Moses. Y'all, I've been away from home for 40 years. I'm fleeing. I'm... And you're going to show up in a bush? Burning and not just telling me to go back to Egypt. I understand, you might tell me but you're telling me to go talk to Pharaoh and lead the Israelites, your people, out of Egypt. My past mistakes have already caused enough problems, let alone talking to Pharaoh, the Israelites probably don't want nothing to do with me. See, sometimes when we read, we skip over the dynamics of that. And so since that's the case, look at Moses' response. It's only normal. Verse 11. But Moses asked God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Say with me. But Moses asked God, who am I? Say who am I with me? Say it one more time. And even when you say who am I, can you feel the question mark behind it? It's like, really? Me? God, do you know who you just asked? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Let's make it deeper. Who am I to fix this situation in my family? Who am I? With my background, I supposed to go fix this problem with the kids? I'm probably the reason we got a problem with the kids. (laughs) Come on. Who am I to get this right? Who am I to go for that job? Who am I to go for that opportunity? Who am I to bring this up? Who am I to have that difficult conversation? Who am I? And you know why we ask the who am I question? Because we start evaluating, taking assessment of all of our characteristics and assets, and we don't feel like they stand high enough. We start taking inventory of all our mistakes, and all, the mistakes people know about and the ones that they don't. Because the ones that they, don't, that they don't know about really disqualifies us. But God does know all that, and He still tells Moses, go. So when you ask a question such as, Who am I, Lord? I've sat back, thought about um, oh, even myself, and I realized that, man, almost at the root of every problem. It's just a, it's an identity issue. It's just so hard for us to accept who God says we are. We are so impacted by who, what others say we are. I said this years ago, but it's so true. When I first heard it, my mentor used to say, he goes, man, there's nothing in the world worse than not knowing who you are and then trying to find out who you are from people who don't even know who they are. Now we all in a mess. And that is exactly the case. So Moses is sitting there thinking he's disqualified like many of us do. It's another way of saying the words, am I enough? Am I enough to fulfill this purpose? Am I enough to do what you called me to do? Look at God. (laughs) Verse 14. But God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. Am I enough? I am. Mm. Woo! come on, somebody. You guys are lucky where we're at. Certain churches, we've been running down the aisles right now. When I say, I, I look at God and I say, am I enough? And God's answer to me is, I am. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, what? Now, the reason this is so critical to understand at a foundational level is if you don't get this, all the rest of this doesn't work to the level of effectiveness it could because you are believing that you are a way something about you will disqualify, discredit. But if he's called you to it, if he's told you to do it, and then you think because of my weaknesses and in, in your weakness, he's made strong. Am I enough? I am. He don't even have to tell. He don't even sit there and answer your question. Like saying, well, no, you really are. Let's talk about all. No, he just says, I am. In the conversation, we're done. That's what I'm talking about. God don't waste time, right? All that unnecessary, just, that's just jaw jacket. Well, this is a jaw jacket, right? No, he ain't doing all that talking. He just made it very clear, okay? Am I enough? I am. in of conversation, get moving. Okay. Now, I say it, and I want you to really grasp it, because there's many of us have been wasting a whole lot of time with struggling with this question. He makes up the difference, always has. He is what fills in the gap, always will. And once we get that, it goes from now. Here's what he says when he says, I am. The word I is personal. He said it's personal. I am. When you ask him directly, it's personal. He says, I, for you, I am. So it's not some being from a third. It's very personal. But the word that is just next level is am. He didn't say I will be. He didn't say I was. He didn't say I could be. He didn't even say I should be. He says I am. That is present. That means right now. He is an eternal presence. That means just because you worried about something that ain't happened yet. He is now. There is no future. There is no past. This will blow your mind. I get it. But the bottom line is we spend so much time trying to understand God through our lenses. Not realizing he's not asking you what you think about him. He's told you who he is. Then we got to raise up our thinking to match that. Not the other direction. Don't get me wrong. This isn't all you're getting. Get understanding. Work on it. But the scripture also says don't lean on it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So at some point, we got to put a line in the sand, y'all. We keep playing too many games. We keep tiptoeing like, I believe you, I kind of don't, because I'm kind of looking at me and I'm kind of, it's not what it's supposed to be. So I appreciate Moses. I appreciate Moses' honesty, because I can relate. I feel him and I'm so grateful That he brought it that honestly. But as Pastor Tony Evans said, he said it's so good. Pastor Evans said, he said, when Jesus has an an I am moment with you, it's when circumstances completely contradict common sense. It's like he shows up as I am when you got nothing. I mean, you know it's just him. It can't be you. So the very things you're avoiding because you haven't got all your ducks in a row or you haven't got lined up or I'm keep putting it off, all you're doing is delaying what God already could have been involved in because you really believe it's about you. It isn't. God shows up in unique situations. You don't think so? This story is the illustration of it. Moses is a murderer. Moses stutters, yet he's supposed to talk to Pharaoh. Moses, if I was younger, I get it. He's 40 years older, hiding in the wilderness. And then God calls him, you're going to be the deliverer? That's just not Moses. Read the whole book. Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. Gideon is hiding. And God tells him, hey, Gideon, you're going to deliver people. And Gideon's like, me? Me? I am, watch it. When we use I am statements, it's usually to own a weakness. It's not I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I am more than a conqueror than him who loved. No, we use them like this, like Gideon does. I am the least in my family. I am. And then when you talk about the family, it's like we are. The lowest family in all the families in here. And I'm the least among that. And you're choosing me. And God's answer is, stand up, you mighty warrior. Because the way that God sees you isn't the way the rest of the world sees you. I said it earlier, but we spend far too much time allowing the creation to define us instead of the creator. You don't spend time studying the creation. You go get to spend time with the actual creator. The creator is the only one who knew the intent of the creator, of the creation, not the other created beings. And I go, There's nothing that stops me from spending time right here with the creator, realizing what I was created for. But no, I keep looking around everybody around me. And the worst part about everything I'm looking around is just a, just a place full of posers. Come on, y'all. Ain't nobody authentically really living that way. Look, and then we just go to social media and, you know, post our highlights. Can't win championships on highlights, y'all. Got to run some real plays, man. And so follow this here. I bring this up. I talk about it. God makes it very clear. He says, I am who I am. That is the foundation by which we get to function by, okay? I told you earlier in service. This principle is so powerful. It's kind of like math. Not everybody's great math, and I wasn't. But one of the things I will tell you is that when I was, uh, I did learn this about math, that if the numbers are off in the beginning, sorry, they're going to stay off, right? 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 I mean, you know, I tried to treat math like one of my other classes where you can just do a whole lot of writing, say a whole lot of nothing, right? And my mentor used to tell me, he he was a preacher too, he was like, hey, it's kind of like, man, you know, it's just like, you know, this walk with the Lord, it's it's not like some sermons by preachers. I said, what do you mean? He said, some preachers are like Texas longhorns. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, they got two points at the end of their hoofs and a whole lot of bull in between, Right? (laughs) He said, make sure you don't live like that or preach like that. (laughs) But the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is so foundational that it frames, it shapes how we read the rest of the word. So when I truly know it isn't me, it's him, when I realize that saying I am is so powerful, but when Jesus says I am, he says it seven times, and I'm going to specifically deal with when he says I'm the bread of life. He is literally saying to you, he is speaking to you, I am, not you, I am. And I am in you. I am in you. We just had communion representing his body and his blood. That is what fuels us. That's who we are. That's that's our identity. I love, oh, the worship team, when they sung the song, More Than Enough, come on. But I, so because he's enough, I am enough. It's one of the lines. I mean, because he's enough, I am enough. Why are you still spending time? Why? And I'm talking to myself. Why do I spend so much time trying to figure out, am I enough? That question's been answered. He already is. So follow us here. Turn with me to John chapter 6. So I'm going to be looking at John chapter 6. I'm going to be going through verse, uh, just verse 35. Uh, But before going there, in this book of, uh, uh, John chapter 6 This is also the place where Jesus Had already shown a, another sign They call it his fourth sign But he's already shown a sign of feeding The 5,000 So he feeds 5,000 Now when you read the story You realize he fed five, Which is already incredible But he fed 5,000 uh, They didn't have much money And there was a kid with some fish And some loaves of bread and Jesus takes that, and then not only does he provide, there's a ton left over. Now, here's what I want every one of us to look. This is practical. I, know. I don't want this to be a distraction, but I don't want to miss it. Okay? When Jesus fed the 5,000, it's working on a principle that heaven works by. It works on a principle that God works by, and it's called the potential principle. Almost every opportunity for growth is found on the inside of what already exists. Always. Every time people think oh, things are going to get better because of something out there. No, things will get better because of what's on the inside. And the more, that's why the Bible says, for, uh, "For he I must decrease for him to increase. Right? I must decrease my flesh, my man. But the Bible also says in Ephesians 3 and 20, to he you can do exceedingly more above, beyond anything you can imagine or think, but according to what? The power that works within you. This is not a question of God's power. It's a question of how free is that power allowed to work on the inside of you. So this is why we lay ourselves down. This is why we surrender. This is why, not because less, but not because we can't have more, but it's because less is more. What I mean, less of me, more of God, unbelievable how it flows out. Oh, yeah. So all of a sudden, this young boy, they put together, give to, puts it in Jesus' hands, and then all of a sudden, it's more than enough? Now, here's the thing I want you to think about in a practical way. There is something you are worried about right now. The lack thereof. I'm not sure we have enough. I need more of this or more of that. Or am I worthy of this? Am I worthy of what? I hope for this. I hope for that. But it was amazing that Jesus took a little bit of something and it was more than enough. Well, the Bible has already called us to surrender whatever we have put it in his hands. And we can sit back and watch what he does with it. But it's not that you just put it in his hands. You put it in his hands and then you are obedient in what you're supposed to be doing. And the obedience is... Let me change this way. Recently, I was uh, back east with a client, and, and my other life uh, that I spent a lot of time in is leadership development, strategic planning. And when I talk about strategic planning with an organization, what an organization is trying to figure out is how do we maximize our return on investment because we are, have a limited amount of resources. And because the resources are limited, we, we can't just spread them everywhere. We have to be intentional with what we do. Well, they love this principle so much they talk about it, but it was great. I had a mentor of mine on the business side, and he was like, it's amazing that the greatest multiplier of whatever it is we're going after is actually the principle that Jesus talks about, which is leadership, which is servitude, which is giving. And he said the primary driver, they think is a secret, it's not. It's simply gratitude. When you learn to be grateful for what you are, have in your hand you're gonna be blown away how much more you get oh, yeah. now instead of talking about it in principle make it practical the Bible says "Count it all joy do you know the word count actually means to count yeah. when's the last time you sat down and actually wrote out every blessing that is poured out into your life but in the absence of doing that do you know that for some reason we count all of our problems but we don't count our blessings we literally spend time thinking about all the stuff that ain't right, and very little time about all the incredible blessings that are. Do you know if you just sat down and did that, and that was the only assignment you did? And once you finish, you look at your problems, and they don't look the same. The reason they don't look the same, not because you got a ton of blessings, but you get more and more excited about the blesser who gave you the blessing. Your confidence in what he will do in your life because of what He showed in your life goes up. Right now, for somebody right now, that's already a game changer. You don't need to hear nothing else today. Because you need to walk out and start counting your blessings. The what's in your hands is more than you can even experience. Start thanking God for it. Now, the beautiful thing is, God does this miracle with the, uh, with, with the 5,000. But then he turns around and does another miracle and walks on water. That's also in chapter 6. Think about how awesome that is. Now, it doesn't go complete here, but there is a joke of, on this planet, who lived on this planet, who also walked on water. And I ain't gonna lie, when I get to heaven, I'm talking to him about it. Peter. Yes, Peter did sink. But he did walk on the water for a little bit. <laughs> he, did, he did something nobody else did. Okay? Peter was like, alright, you guys can laugh at me all you want, but at least I believed him. <laughs> he said, come here. I started walking. Okay? Now, I'm having fun with it, but here's what I'm gonna ask many of you. When God says, I'm the great I am, that power of saying I am is designed to get you out the boat. It is designed to get you out your comfort zone. It is designed to get you out of where, you, where you've just grown lazy. And now, when I say lazy believers, please don't. I'm not calling you lazy until you work the that. I am talking about when's the last time you've had butterflies in your stomach? Because when's the last time you really felt Alive. When's the last time you felt nervous? And God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to happen. Until we are called to, when Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly, that's living. It's not just God just blessed me enough to manage what I'm doing every day. Do you know many times we build our lives just around what's comfortable for us? That we're literally praying to God, trusting him for things that pretty much already been cared for. But God's like, I want, to do, I want you to see What I'm gonna do in you. But Lord, about my weaknesses, in your weaknesses, I am made strong. I get to show off. If I can do it through you, there's gonna be people going, if he can do it for him or her, they can truly do it for me. Okay? So follow this here. This is what Jesus says at the end. This is now verse 35, and this is where I'll be closing. Verse 35, he goes, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Now, there's seven I am statements. But when he says, I am the bread of life, the last time the Israelites experienced the bread of life was the bread of heaven that was the manna that fell from heaven and literally fed the Israelites while they were there for 40 years in the wilderness. This time, Jesus says, you were fed physically in the past. But I am now coming from heaven to feed you spiritually. I'm coming to feed you spiritually. And the reason you need to be fed spiritually is because your deepest needs are always spiritual. They are not physical. Now follow this here, because I say this with pure humility. I pray, I I say it because I'm, I'm living it, I've lived it, been through it, and we all have. If you do not, have your appetites fed from the right spot. You will go anywhere to get it. That's a believer, unbeliever, does not matter. Because many of our hunger or many of our concern is, am I good enough to get it this way? If I'm not, I have to get it some other kind of way. And it has caused more problems for so many of us. I'm, I'm telling you right now, all the, the issues that I had in my life, the delays of blessing. Has becomes because of for my life because of the way I was trying to get it. I didn't just believe. Doing it the Lord's way works. It works. And the beautiful thing is, even when i tried to do it wrong, He's right. His love for me. He didn't disqualify me. He didn't kick me to the curb. He didn't run me off. He actually wrapped his arms around me again and said, I am. And hit the reset button. Who in here needs to hit the reset button? Who in here knows just all you need, all you need is to realize you can turn. He's the bread of life. He's going to give you everything you ask for. I had a brother, very transparent, then I sit down. I had a brother. He said this to me, and I, and I felt him, because he was like, man, mm, yes, Lord. And I felt him, because I'm the same way, which is this. Man, I don't wake up as in, as, as, aspiring to just be like a good man. Just be honest. Now, I expect to have character. I, st- I expect to do the things according to what the wor- Lord says. But man I, man, I aspire for greatness, y'all. I aspire to do stuff like, I want to make sure when I leave this earth, they know I was here. And I stop apologizing for it. I used to try to be tiptoe. Man, no, 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 bro. I don't go to boring movies. Therefore, I don't want to live a boring life. If you tell me living a Christian life is boring, ah. And then I found out God ain't never said that. Not only did he never say that, clearly I ain't been reading the book. Ain't none of them stories boring. I mean, there's some characters up in that boy who got some real stuff going on. And so I realized that God is a God of reality. Like, he sees my life. He sees all the parts that people know, don't know, all what's jacked up, was right. And he says, in the midst of that, I am. I got you. I know what your heart's desire, what you really hunger for at the core of you. And I'm not going to let that appetite run dry, but it's going to be through my way. Because if you satisfy that appetite a different way, you just prolong the misery. There's pain that comes along with that. There's no pain that comes along when you do it God's way. When he says, I'm the breath of life, there's someone right now who's hungering for a relationship. You're hungering for purpose. You're hungering for an opportunity, hungering for a career, hungering, whatever you're hungering for. Take it to him with complete Boldness and vulnerability and authenticity. And I promise you, he's going to give you more than you can ever imagine. He says, I didn't come to just give you life. I came to give it to you abundantly. And that's the God. That's Jesus. That's who we serve. Now follow this here. Pastor Jeff put this weekly plan. Nate's going to talk more about it because we want to make sure you get it. This seven week devotional or biblical series that we're going through. It's just not valuable because you're reading some of the stuff we cover. The value is in the questions that's been asked. I believe there's a husband and wife in here. When's the last time you two had a real conversation about, honey, what do you really hunger for? I'm talking about at the deep things. We probably haven't had a real conversation like that in years. But when God says, I am, that is present. That is, what do you hunger for now? Not what you hunger for then. It may have changed. Families, get together. Man, what are your kids hungering for? What are you hungering for? What's the family around you for in in your business? Get some of your team members together. What do we hunger for? Because God is a present. God is an ever-present help. He's a God of the now. So we don't have to run away and, and, and be nervous. No, he knows what you want, but tell, talk about it together. How are we going to go after this in the way that God has us go after it? I'm telling you, there's another way to live. And it's time to start living that way. Moses could have spent a lot more time in that wilderness. But because he was willing and all his weaknesses still go, and I believe this, that's why we're still talking about them today. <laughs> Come on, church, let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you are, a, I am God. You are a God of the moment. You are ever eternal, present help. You are a God of now. Right now, God. They've got brothers and sisters in here who need you now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. They need you now. God, meet them right where they are right now. Give them the confidence that you have everything in the future taken care of. Whatever they're worried about in the future, that's not the future to you. Okay, you see everything now. Let their trust be just found in that. And lastly, Lord God, I just ask. Let every one of our lives be a sacrifice that others are going to want to emulate. Because we're living life to the full, but we're demonstrating what living life to the full looks like. So many others want to experience the same thing. And when they do, Lord, we will make sure we give them a little bite of the bread of life, which is you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, church.